Whoa, wasn't it a great afternoon? Yeah. Wasn't that awesome? I, um, I, I went and I, I walked around for a while, and actually longer than I intended because I have no sense of direction, um, and I got lost. But uh, then I went and sat for a while in the walled garden, you know, where the prayer labyrinth is. And I, I was sitting in kind of in one corner of the garden. And if you haven't been there, the, the thing that kind of marks out the paths of the labyrinth, the kind of little wooden fence panels, you know, only about this high. So there's rows and rows and rows of them. And as I was sitting on, on the bench, it was kind of like a heat haze was just the way I was sitting. I just must have seen this heat haze kind of rippling across these little pathways and it, it made it look like water it looked like it was kind of waves and I said whoa because actually you know and, and it was really speaking to me because it looks like a solid obstacle you know it looks like a solid pathway a solid block but actually when the sun was on it in that particular way they were just like water just like you dissolved away all of, those, all of those paths, all of those dead ends, all of those cul-de-sacs, he just dissolved them away. And I was just wondering, you know, I, I passed a number of you on my, my wanderings in, in sort of quiet places. I just wondered if anyone else kind of saw or felt or touched anything that they would just kind of like to share with us. Come on. Nobody saw anything. Thank you. Don't you just hate that moment? I was just struck. Um, lots of stuff really around the labyrinth for me, but mainly you, there is a, a centre place in the labyrinth, if, if you've not been there, that is um, like a, a seat under an arbour, but all around the arbour is honeysuckle. And every now and again, you get to actually walk right round the arbour. And the honeysuckle's grown so much that you actually, the path is quite mm. difficult to walk round. And I was just reminded of the fact that, that um, Paul talks quite uh, more than once in, the, um, in his letters about the fragrance of Jesus and the fragrance of God. And I just felt that, that it was about that being close to God. It was about that Mary place that, that we heard about this morning, that when you're in that place and you rub up, if you like, against, against God then his fragrance is left on you. And then off you go in the labyrinth, back out into other parts of life or the world or whatever. But you're carrying that fragrance mm. of God. And right at the center of the labyrinth is this place, which is the Mary place, the place where you lean into God and, and, and discover his, his strength and his love and his beauty. And, and as you keep then going out again, but you're carrying what you've learned in the Mary place back out and I just felt it was a real picture of what you had said about Mary and Martha this mm -hmm. morning thank you this is to shame Cameron to do the labyrinth and <laughs> <laughs> um, I also and <laughs> um, when I was going around the prayer labyrinth um, I noticed there were stones dotted along the path and one caught my eye because it was a grey stone normal stone but inside it well, on it well, little patterns and swirls in a darker colour, and it had bumps and things on it. I looked at it and thought, the elements have shaped that, 
you know, into swirls and patterns and bumps and lumps. And uh, when I was going around and felt God chose me, what a shape of my life. I thought, oh, well, I'm still thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You know, the, the, the two things you've come up and shared out of your little journal are so awesome. I would just love to flick through the rest of it and see what's in there. <laughs> Mind you, maybe I'm just not brave enough. Well, the only other experience I had was that Carolyn very graciously gave me a bowl of fruit in, in my room and I took this lovely kind of nectarine out with me into the garden and one point I sat and kind of it was so warm and it was beautiful and I just started to eat my nectarine whereupon I dribbled all the juice <laughs> right down my front oh, no. and it made me think how thankful I was that I always packed one extra shirt <laughs> let's pray dear one thank you that you just painted a perfect day for us today you gave us this awesome place and then you showered gifts on us the fragrances, the colors the awesomeness of the sky and the clouds thank you for speaking out of the things that we saw and we encountered thank you that all of your creation is continually whispering to us about you we just need to listen. Amen. Well, we talked this morning about that pain place inside of us, and now I want to talk about the harp place that we have inside of us. And again, from the Passion Translation, Psalm 144 says, My God, I will sing you a brand new song when you give me the victory. The harp inside my heart will make music to you. My God, I will sing you a brand new song when you give me the victory. The harp inside my heart will make music to you. So we have that pain place inside of us where we put all that bad stuff. But actually we also have, inside of our hearts, we have this harp place. And, and that harp place is the place inside us where those whispers of worship come from. And the harp inside of our heart is that thing that touches us when we just want to look up and say, I love you, thank you, bless you, that was awesome. It's the kind of things that we were talking about just now, things that we saw, things that touched or blessed us, that just rise up out of our harp place, that harp inside of our heart, to give worship to him. And you know, Jesus says when you pray, you go into that secret place and, and shut the door. I think the harp place is kind of like that. It's a place we go into to offer worship to him out of our hearts. 
And Ephesians 5 says, in, again in the Passion, in your heart, 5.19, do not in your heart, do not let the music stop. Continue to touch the Lord with whispers of worship. So just for a moment, I, I told you earlier what I had imagined the pain place inside me looked like, that I imagined it as this cellar with... So just, just, just for one moment, close your eyes and imagine what that place inside your heart where the harp is that speaks out whispers of worship to him. What might it look like? Just, just close your eyes for one moment and just, just imagine the harp inside your heart that offers whispers of worship up to him. When you're just imagining it, just just release a whisper of worship to him. Just release a whisper of worship right now. In your heart, do not let the music stop, but continue to touch the Lord with whispers of worship. I just want to take a a little time this afternoon when we're looking at this heart place to just look for a few minutes at some of the things that happened to David because David is the man that taught us so much about worship in the Psalms but he also taught us so much about the pain place so he taught us about the pain place and he taught us about the harp place in the Psalms and David is this amazing man you know this man of extraordinary contradictions you know God calls David a man after his own heart. And yet there was all this junk that ended up in his life as well. You know, this was a man that ended up with adultery and murder and all sorts of things. So he knew what it was to live out of his pain place, but he also knew what it was to live out of that harp place, touching the Lord with whispers of worship. So I just want to look at just a few things that happened in David's life and and how they illustrate this principle of how we can live out of our harp place even when something painful happens to us. And it's interesting because, you know, um, when Israel was taken captive and they, they were all taken away into slavery in Babylon... One of the the songs that they wrote out of that says, you know, by the rivers of Babylon we hung up our harps. Because our captors required of us songs and mirth, but how could we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? So they were in a strange land, so actually they hung up their harps. (laughs) They hung their harps up on the tree because they were kind of trapped inside of their pain place at that point. So they hung their harps up. 
And I had this experience one day when I was walking through at the bottom of the garden at Beauty from Ashes. You have a garden, uh, a gate that goes out into a wood. And this wood is completely covered with bluebells in the, the early part of the year. And it's just like literally a sea of, of bluebells. And I went down there early one morning. I, I was walking through the wood. And, and the Lord said to me, why have you hung up your harp? And I was like, I haven't hung up my harp, you know, my harp, pretty much here, yeah, I'm, 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 you know. He said, why have you hung up your harp? I said, but, you know, I've just been praising you for how awesome this place is, you know. I'm, I'm the early morning, the sun's rising, the birds are singing, I'm walking through this sea of bluebells, I'm telling you how grateful I am and how awesome this place is. And you're saying to me, why have you hung up your harp? And he said to me, yes, he said, but you haven't once said to me about me. (laughs) You've been telling me how wonderful all the stuff around you is. He said, just just talk to me about me. (laughs) Talk to me about me. I'm still kind of processing that one, you know, still working on that one. But he he said, he said, talk to me about me. Anyway, David. So right at the beginning of, of David's story that we know, that the prophet, you know, the man of God comes to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be king over Israel. And they don't even bother to send for David. They leave him out in the field. Because David has all these sons. And they're all they're described as tall and handsome. And David was like the runt of the litter. And they didn't even bother to send for him. Probably didn't even think to send for him, you know. We've got all the, the tall and handsome ones lined up here. Ah, David's out with the sheep. We'll just leave him there. Ah, leave him there. So David was totally overlooked, even inside his own family. Even when Jesse had been told to bring out his sons, they didn't bring David. Nobody said, hey, where's David? We're missing David. They left him out in the sheep, with the sheep field. So David knew that pain of not being valued by the family. That his own family didn't put a value on him. And and I'm sure there are people here that have had that experience. That actually in your own family, you're feeling overlooked. There are some tall and handsome brothers and sisters somewhere in the... (laughs) See, that must have hurt David. There must have been pain in that for him. But listen to this. This is Psalm 78. David says, Yet, 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 yet the Lord chose David his servant, took him from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart and with skillful hands. And see, of course, if David hadn't spent all that time out looking after his sheep in the field like his father's sheep, we would never have had Psalm 23, would we? 
You know, we would never have had this whole idea of shepherding and shepherds that, you know, we all love the story of Jesus. You know, we love the idea of Jesus as the good shepherd, don't we? But, you know, that's where it all comes from. It, it's drawn from the fact that David was overlooked by his family and spent time out with his sheep. So that pain that David must have felt, he was able to turn around and live out of that harp place inside of him, touching the Lord with whispers of worship. And he says, yeah, but he didn't leave me there. He didn't leave me out with the sheep. He brought me in. And then, you know, the Philistines were coming up against the army of Israel and Goliath the giant is marching up and down and yelling rude things about them and they need a champion and David comes up and says, yeah, 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 I'll go. And by that time Saul's pretty desperate so he's like, yep, right, okay, you go. But what he said to, to David was, actually David, you can't go out without armour. Um, you can't go up against this guy without armour, take my armour. So David tries to put Saul's armour on, but actually Saul's armour doesn't fit. It's too heavy. It rubs him in all the wrong places. He, he can't move. He's never worn armour before. It doesn't fit. And sometimes, you know, that happens to us, that other people... <laughs> put expectations or requirements on us. They require us to wear their armour, you know. Your mum's a teacher, so you have to be a teacher. Or your elder sister went to such and such a school, therefore you have to go to such and such a school. Whether or not that fits you. And sometimes we spend a long time living, wearing somebody else's armour. I, I was talking to a lady just uh, Wednesday and she had always dreamed of being an artist and she was very creative, she was very gifted at art and her, the, the art teachers at her school really encouraged her to go for it. But her parents thought she needed to do a proper job. And so they sent her to a secretarial college and, and she worked in, you know, as kind of a PA and, and, and she had a very good job and all the rest of it. But it never satisfied her because she was actually wearing somebody else's armour, somebody else's expectations. Never allowed to be the person that she was really meant and destined to be. Because when we wear somebody else's armour, it never quite fits right. In my family, there was a value put on hard academic subjects, you know. But all the kind of soft things like art and music and drama and all that kind of stuff, well, they didn't get you anyway, did they? They didn't lead you to something. So even if you had all those giftings and talents, and even if it brought you pleasure... 
we all spent our lives walking in armour that didn't quite fit. And that has two consequences, really. It means that we never really embrace what we are doing because it doesn't fit us right, but we also miss out on what we might have had. And then they, David kills Goliath and he and Saul are coming back in the, the victory procession and all the people are yelling and shouting and cheering and they're flowing flowers out the window and all the rest of it. And they're singing this song and they're saying, well, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And it says, but Saul was very angry because this song displeased him greatly. They've credited David with tens of thousands, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but my kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. See, for David, that must have been so confusing. Because one minute, Saul is embracing him as the one that slew Goliath. He's embracing him. He's taking him into his household. He's making them live in his house almost as a son. But at the same time, there's this part of Saul that's like, actually, this man could become a threat to me. This man could be after my kingdom. So like one minute, he's embracing David, and the next minute he's suspecting him. And actually, when that, you know, for us, when we live in that climate of emotional uncertainty with someone, when I was living at home, you could never absolutely relax because even if my father was in apparently in a good temper and we were having a nice time, at any minute you could say or do the wrong thing and everything changed. So you could never actually just relax and enjoy it. And if you've lived in a close relationship with somebody that's like that, alternately drawing you in and pushing you away, that can be a thing that we push into the pain place. But David lives out of his heart place and he says, But when the righteous cry, the Lord hears them. And he says, The righteous may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. So, see, in that situation, David had a choice. He could choose to live out of the pain place and, like, I don't know where I am. This man is just. Pushing me in, pulling me out. I don't know where I am. I'm all in a... But actually, he said, yeah, there are many troubles. But you know what? The Lord will deliver me from them all. And then David's favorite son, Absalom. 
the one that David loved most. He kind of staged a revolt against his father. Took the kingdom, took the household, took all of David's possessions, took it all. David was effectively thrown out of his own palace and his own kingdom for a while. Lived as a, lived as a fugitive. Had to hire himself out as a mercenary. And when we get betrayed by somebody that's very close to us, that really hurts, doesn't it? You know, that, that betrayal by a, a husband, a parent, a close friend, a brother or sister, somebody that we're close to in the church, those kind of things, they go deep. They go deep. That kind of betrayal is tempting to put that in the pain place, isn't it? To really live out of the pain place with that one. What does David say? He says, you will relieve me of the troubles of my heart and you will free me from my anguish. In your heart, do not let the music stop, but continue to touch the Lord with whispers of worship. So he chose to take that and make it into blessing God. And you know, Saul had this, when Saul was kind of going mad and it says that the only thing that could soothe Saul when the madness was on him was if David came and played his harp. So David would be playing the harp and that would, you know, calm Saul and put peace into him. And it came to pass on that day that David played with his hand as he had other times. But there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast a javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall. So there we have Saul, you know, when this kind of madness comes on him, the only thing that can soothe him is to have David come and play the harp. So there's David, and he comes with the harp in his hand. That's what he brings. He brings his gifting, his worship, his music, his anointing to just soothe and calm and gentle Saul. So David comes with a harp in his hand, but Saul has a javelin (laughs) in his hand. And that is a very special kind of pain, isn't it? When we come to somebody with a harp in our hands, and we're met by a javelin. I have a sister who suffers uh, with bipolar. She's, She's bipolar. And so many times in my life, I have gone to her with a harp in my hand, just wanting to help her, to love her, to bless her, to support her in whatever, you know, stuff she's going through. And actually, she meets me with a javelin in her hand. And in that situation, that javelin hurts. You know, when you've come with the harp and you're met with the javelin, 
that hurts. And sometimes, you know, when we have relationship issues that go on, and we go to that person or that group of people or whatever it is, and we go with a harp in our hand, because we want reconciliation, we want unity, we want all that good stuff. But actually, instead of meeting us with the same spirit, they meet us with the javelin in their hands. And that, that is a very great pain. And David says, <laughs> you look on my affliction. You hear me and you heal me. So even in that situation when he's gone with the right, you know, what we would call he's gone with the right spirit, he's gone with, he's guarded his heart, he's kept his heart, he's gone with the harp in his hand and he's been met with the javelin. Still he's turning it into whispers of worship. And, you know, I, I talked a little bit last night about my dream of, of you know, being a mother and, and having children and how that dream effectively died. But, you know, David had a dream. And David's dream what he was, was he was going to build the temple. He was going to build the house of the Lord. And he had the vision for, for building that house of the Lord, for the place where the glory would dwell. And that was what his heart was. And then, God turned around to David one day, and he said to him, actually, you can't build a temple for me, David. There's too much blood on your hands. So that dream that had been so deep inside David had to die. He had to let go of that real dream and vision that he'd had. He, he'd, he'd bought the land. He'd got ready. He was everything that he believed he had in place to fulfill the dream and the vision, just like I had all the, you know, my little baby clothes in my, the bottom drawer of my chest of drawers already. All the stuff was there those little boys that actually never were and I was like that for David he'd gone and he'd bought the threshing floor he had the land he was getting ready and the dream he lost the dream and actually when the dream dies that's a very painful thing and if you've had dreams that die you know maybe you dreamed of a long and happy retirement and your husband goes to glory or your husband leaves you or something happens, something goes wrong. You always dreamed that you'd have an incredible relationship with your daughter and that doesn't work. You know, when those dreams die, it's very painful, isn't it? But listen to David living out of his heart place. He says, with my whole heart, with my whole life, with my innermost being, this is Psalm 103, I bow in wonder and love before you. 
You are my soul's celebration. You're my soul's celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles of kindness that you've shown me? You've kissed my heart with your forgiveness in spite of all that I've done. You've healed me inside and out from every disease. You've saved me from hell. You've saved my life. You've crowned my life with love and tender mercy. You've made me a king and you satisfy my every desire. And this is my favorite business. Is you have supercharged my life so that I soar again. Like a flying eagle in the sky. You're a god who makes everything right. You're a god who makes everything right. My God, I will sing you a brand new song when you give me the victory for the harp inside my heart will make music to you. In your heart, do not let the music stop, but continue to touch the Lord with whispers of worship. And there's an amazing little verse that I just came across in, in Psalm 49. Again, I'm in the Passion Translation. Verse 4, it says, I will break open mysteries with my worship, and my song will release riddles resolved. So actually, worship when we're living out of the heart place, it brings a power to receive from God. We've had sweet worship this weekend, haven't we? It just connects our heart to his heart. I will break open mysteries with my worship. I'm sure that most of us could have a testimony of some time when we've been involved in Worship, whether that's corporately in the life of the church or on our own when we're offering worship. And you just start to get the answer to stuff or you just start to see things differently or he just starts to put those things into your life. I will break open mysteries with my worship and my song will release riddles resolved. So just for a moment, go back into that when you in, just were just imagining what the harp in your heart might look like, what that place might be. Just let yourself go back into that place for a moment where that harp is inside your heart. Again, just touch the Lord with a whisper of worship. And that would be different for all of us, but just touch him with a whisper of worship.
And just think of one of those things that's in your pain place. Maybe wearing somebody else's armor. Maybe you went with the harp and they had the javelin. Maybe your dream didn't quite work out. Whatever it is for you. And just take that with you into the harp place. And like David... Just choose to turn that into a whisper of worship. And it may be that you've been in a time where you found yourself in one of those strange lands and you've hung up your harp on the willow tree. And if that's you, then right now, just ask Jesus to come into that place and ask him to give you back your harp. And just let yourself picture what that would be like for Jesus to come and give you back the heart. Like he said to me that day in the bluebird would talk to me about me. God, I will sing you a brand new song when you give me the victory. The harp inside my heart will make music to you. I will break open mysteries with my worship and my song will release riddles resolved. Speak psalms to one another. Burst out in spontaneous celebration songs and spirit-implied resonance in your heart. Do not let the music stop, but continue to touch the Lord with whispers of worship.
With my whole heart, with my whole life, with my innermost being I bow in wonder and love before you, the Holy God. You are my soul's celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles of kindness that you have done for me? You've kissed my heart with your forgiveness in spite of all that I've done. You've healed me inside and out from every disease. You've saved me from hell and you've saved my life. You have crowned my life with your love and your tender mercy. You've made me a king. You satisfy me, my every desire, with good things. You've supercharged my life so that I soar again like a flying eagle in the sky. You're a God who makes everything right. My God, I will sing you a brand new song when you give me the victory. The harp inside my heart will make music to you. Amen.